Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. We support leaders and teams to not only dream about their vision, but create an infrastructure for vision to sustain itself, to create impact, and to leave a legacy. And with those approaches, we rest upon what we call our seven pillars of abundance. And those pillars are relationship, time, finances, health, mindset, skills, and faith. When we as consultants go in to support organizations, dreams, and leaders who desire to create impact greater than themselves, we look at those seven pillars. And our guest co-host today brings a story and a passion that touches on at least five of our pillars in order to help others live in a place of finding their voice for new beginnings. As you listen to Valerie Jackson share her flip side story, see which of the pillars you actually hear. Let me tell you a little bit about Valerie. She is the founder of The Voice of New Beginnings, Coaching and Consulting, a division of Jeffrey Jackson Enterprises Incorporated. She's a certified professional life coach. She helps individuals and businesses move from a place of feeling stuck to a place of attaining goals and being able to move forward. Her unique approach includes using science, evidence-based practices, trauma-informed approaches, lived experiences, which are combined with her professional mental health and education experience, all in order to support her clients in finding their voice Not just a voice that's echoing the past, but finding their voice for new beginnings. I hope you are excited, as I am, to welcome Valerie Jackson. Welcome to the show, Valerie. Thank you so much. I am so honored to be sharing this space with you today. It's really exciting for me to be here with you. You know, we have had, uh, we were off off camera kind of talking about our uh, divine appointment that brought us together. I've known Valerie for quite a few years now, and it was divine appointments where our moments in time, we had, we thought there was a plan for us to work together in one way. It didn't materialize, but God brought us back together in in a, a by chance crossing. What what was it in a grocery store? In a grocery store, yeah. <laughs> in, in a grocery store, recognizing and seeing one another again, uh, and being able to connect and see how our stories intertwine 
as well as we both finding how we were able to connect with purpose in order to impact others' lives through our story. And I want to give you a chance, Valerie, to share a little bit about how you have been able to navigate a story that truly has come out of tragedy and loss. Um, Share a little bit about the story of your brother, which now is a part of your story. It's very much a part of my story. Thank you. Um, Well, it all starts out. I have, I grew up with three brothers. They were all awesome. And I had one that was about a year and a half older than me. He was like my, he was definitely my brother. But as we grew, I was like a mother to him. So he was my friend, he was my brother, and he was my son, as the family joke would have it. (laughs) But through the years, as we got into our upper teen years, he ended up going over to a friend's house, and that friend had some pure cocaine. And when they found it, they tried it. And unfortunately, my brother was hooked on that and struggled with addiction from the time he was 18 until he passed away when he was 50 years old. But in that, there was still some beauty. It was was tough because at the time he passed, it was right after my family moved. So here I am 568 miles away and I'm getting a phone call that my best friend, my brother, my son passed away. And he was, I had, like I said, I had three brothers, but even throughout the the addiction, my brother was always, always there. Mm -hmm. He was kind. He was compassionate gave of himself for other people. And unfortunately, even through his addiction, that was one of the things that kind of set him back. He was so busy trying to help others that he forgot to help himself on certain occasions. So it became my purpose then to number one, make sure that he has never forgotten Mm -hmm. to help people see that people who are in addiction are real people. And to understand that you can't judge someone because they're caught in addiction because like with my brother, he was a teen without a fully developed brain at that point yet. Mm-hmm. And he was hooked you know on what? something. I wanted to walk into that with you because as I listened to you describe your brother, his core character of who he was never shifted. It didn't seem that the drugs changed his character, his heart, his spirit that didn't get Mm -hmm. changed by the actual addiction. But I think there's something significant that you could shed some light on. What is significant about the circumstances of your brother being introduced to drugs at, what age did you say, 19? 18. 18. 18. Why do you feel that that was significant? It's significant because... One, a lot of times people go around with the misconception that when someone ends up in a life of addiction is by choice, that they were being irresponsible. Now, I know legally at 18, you're considered an adult. My brother was still <laughs> in high school and mm-hmm. science has proven to us through studies, through imaging that you cannot deny that the brain of an 18 year old is not fully developed. Your brain continues to develop until you're like 24. If I'm, mm-hmm. I think it's 24, so even older, 24, old, even 27, older between yeah. 24, 27. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so 
you're not able to make those fully responsible decisions, which is now we have some bodies of legislation looking at changing the sentencing for 18 years old. I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. But to look at that, this childlike brain, and now here it is, it's still playing out. And not to mention, if you come from a background that has addictive behaviors, Mm -hmm. that's even harder. And unfortunately for us, we do have addiction in our family. Mm -hmm. It's no secret. So no one in my family would be afraid or upset with me for sharing this right now, but there is an addictive component in our family. So you put that genetic component Mm -hmm. in with the developmental component, and then there you have this lifetime full of struggle that unfortunately he's being judged for when developmentally at the point that he was introduced to that addiction, it makes it much more difficult for someone to break free from something like that when you already have a predisposition to an addiction. Mm -hmm. It almost sounds like that perfect storm in recognizing how um, our story, our genes, and then just the right moment or just the tragic moment where something is introduced at that perfect storm moment and it shifts and changes the trajectory of someone's life. I think it's really powerful how you have shared who your brother was outside of the addiction as well as who he continued to be and your passion for helping people to refrain from judgment. Mm-hmm. Why is that important for you? Well, it's important for me because as I said, like with my brother, he lived a life of really trying to help people. That that part is so true. It never changed. But as we know, people who are involved in addiction have triggers. And when people judge you, you take this pure-hearted person And then all of a sudden, everybody's beating you down. And suddenly the people that you thought were there to help you are people that are putting you down. That hurts. That chips away. Mm -hmm. And what's it going to do? You go to what you thought was was comfortable, what you're familiar with, whether or not it's healthy. It's just Mm -hmm. like people that are in abusive relationships. You go back to what you know. It's familiar. It might be unhealthy, but it's familiar not to mention the chemical component that then makes you crave that. So it's important for me to let people know that when you judge people, you're causing harm. And unfortunately, in the case of my brother, it can lead to a death. There were people that we grew up with that um, my brother really thought highly of. And one thing that was important, he shares a story um, and it's actually recorded that there were people that he would know and he would go to and ask them, you know, I'm hungry. Can I just get something to eat? Even though we were family and we were there, but people, when they're in that lifestyle, people are beating them down. They don't feel that they're loved because so many other people have told them that they're not. Mm-hmm. He would go ask them for help for real things, tangible needs. They wouldn't do it. But if he wanted to get high, he said there was not a person that he would go to out on those streets who wouldn't give him money or who wouldn't give him something to get him high. Now imagine what that does to someone's self-esteem once they, you know, do the drug, they come down and they're back to their self. Mm -hmm. That chips away. It's amazing how 
as I listen to you describe his experience and you use the, the word trigger, recognizing how triggers play such a powerful role in reenactment for those who have been impacted by trauma or are in traumatic experiences. And it literally shifts them back into that survival state, which for, for some, if that default setting is, I didn't feel the shame or pain when I'm high. So it is going back to that, to whatever will suppress the pain that they're trying to navigate through. But I think it's really powerful as I know we both are um, women of faith in how individuals have an opportunity to show up as the hands and feet of Christ. And Mm -hmm. if we're not careful, we will end up being the very ones that push someone back out into a place of hurt and pain instead of putting judgment aside, getting off of high horses and seeing people and then wanting to be the hands and feet and how you shared that those were the people who denied him, but the very ones who continued to support the addictive behavior were the actual ones who kept supporting the the tragedy. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And then even what tends to happen, you feel that you've shamed your family. So Mm -hmm. you won't go to your family. And then you're going to these other people to try to fill a void. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, if you have an altered mindset, altered way of thinking, you're going to go to the wrong places. And unfortunately, that's what would happen constantly. He was going to people who were either at the same place he was, and in many cases worse, and he's there trying to help pull them up while they're pushing him down. If you can just like imagine a picture of someone reaching down into a well and you're reaching down to pull the other person. And while you're reaching down to pull them out, they grab you with the other hand and pull you down. And And then they they step on you to rise up. And Mm. that's what happened. He, my brother was responsible for so many people breaking free from their addiction, Mm. but yet he couldn't break free himself. Break free. And so many women that he became involved with Mm-hmm. looking for um, love, I guess, or acceptance, mm-hmm. but looking in the wrong way again, because drugs at 18 brain, not yeah. fully developed. You're stuck at that place. Mm-hmm. We These have people. talked about, yeah, we've talked about mm-hmm. in our sessions with um, either the growth webinars that we've done or the wow sessions with mm-hmm. peace in the middle of the pieces. We've talked about how the brain consistently is looking for two things. Am I safe and am I loved? And if it can't find it in the straight way, it will take a crooked path to try and find it. And if the crooked path includes drug addiction or other types of things to try and get that feeling of, am I safe and am I loved? It's a crooked path, but it's a maladaptive way of trying to get to the core of what inside we're looking for as individuals. 
We're getting ready to go on a break, a short break. And I know, Valor, you have participated mm -hmm. in our growth webinars. And when we come back, I'd like to be able to ask you a question around from our last growth webinar on the law of curiosity. What has you curious right now with everything that's going on? What are you curious about as, as you continue to build your um, mission and vision. But as we get ready for this break, I encourage those who have not participated in our growth webinars to don't miss the next one, which is November 2nd, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going through the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth with John Maxwell throughout the entire year of 2021. And it has been an amazing experience. And we're getting ready on November 2nd to look at the law 13, which is the law of modeling. It's hard to improve when you have no one but yourself to follow. If you have wanted mm -hmm. to figure out how to connect or find a mentor, understand the difference between a mentor and a coach, and recognize that you've taken yourself as far as you can go and you want to know, so now what? How do I keep growing from here? Log into livingstrongllc.com and become an insider and you will have first announcements for our upcoming November 2nd at 7 p.m. Standard, Eastern Standard Time for our next growth webinar to get answers and strategies to those questions. So while we're taking this break, check that out and we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life is now in session. Are you present? We don't get a dress rehearsal in life. So why not grab every moment you can to grow? Join me every first Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific for our live webinars. We're creating a growth plan and unpacking the 15 invaluable laws of growth by John Maxwell. Instead of waiting for growth to just happen by accident, let's get intentional about creating a growth plan for you. Let's do it together. Log in to www.livingstrongllc.com and grab your spot for first Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 Pacific. And let's grow together. It's your time. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. We have been having an honest 
transparent and vulnerable conversation Mm -hmm. with Valerie Jackson as she shares the story as well as the legacy of her brother who um, died in situations associated with his addiction. But her story doesn't stop there. And I would love for you to, just before our break, I asked you to think about, we just finished the Law of Curiosity with our growth webinar. And I know you've been able to log in to a couple of those as we have impacted and joined in this free webinar every month uh, with people from across the country have logged in. And in our last conversation, we were digging into what is it that we can become curious about in order to continue to build our vision, our passion. And I'm curious, what are you curious about now in this season as you continue to build the voices of new beginnings? Thank you for asking that question. I know um, when we had the session on law of curiosity yesterday, initially my first response was, you know, why did my road have to be so hard and why did it have to take so long? But then I had to create a shift and look mm-hmm. at that differently. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, now Valerie, that was not an on purpose kind of statement. So is that really what you're curious about? And when I did some soul searching, my answer was no. What I'm really curious about now is first reason is, you know, God of all the people in the world, why do you love me so much mm-hmm. to pour this into me? And am I really doing all that I'm called to do to make a difference and an impact for the kingdom of God and to help other people get set free? Because I'm that person who believes that when you're, as you said earlier, I'm definitely a woman of faith. Any trial that we go through and any pain that we experience cannot be wasted. It will not be in vain. And that's what I had to look at from my brother. So I'm like, well, how do I turn this around now? Lord, I'm, I'm curious to know, Lord, just show me the right way to really make the greatest impact because I have such a love for people. This situation here is so near and dear to my heart. And so are young children. Yeah. And I've run from working with ladies, but God keeps wow. pointing me in that direction. So now the thing is, Lord, help me to embrace that. And how am I to really help these women to be mm. all that they were created to be? Because for a while, like, I will be honest, I was blaming women for my brother's death because of the women that he got in touch with. And some of them could have really made the difference, but instead they further fueled his addiction, in my opinion, of course, Mm -hmm. but the way that they responded definitely triggered and some in particular would intentionally do things because they knew what the end result would be. But I had to realize I cannot blame them Yes, because you know, it involved more than one person. However, mm-hmm. if there is something that I can do to make a difference so that women from that encounter me yes. will not only recognize their worth, but recognize their ability and their power. Because I said the other day, you know, the body of, as a body of Christ, we are given so much power because the mm. Holy Spirit now lives in us. So mm-hmm. if you are a woman of God and if God created you, which he created all of us 
then we need to find a way to exercise that power. And so how can I be one to make the difference? So when I leave this earth, he looks at me and says, well done. Yes, indeed. She said a whole word right there. There are so many nuggets. I hope you had paper and a pen and were writing down notes because you had me at how do I shift from, and we talked about this uh, on Tuesday during the growth webinar, instead of the why me questions, it's the why this, what can I learn from this question? And you had me at, I had to recognize that even in the session, I was asking at the root of those first questions were the why me? And in order to make an on purpose question, you created that shift. And as I listened to you share your first question is why, Lord, why do you love me so much? that you would trust me with this. And then mm -hmm. you follow it with, how can I honor you in doing this well? And we also talked about how, when we ask those why questions, why questions lead to purpose. So mm -hmm. reason, intention, and motivation. And sometimes we have to be willing to, to investigate why am I avoiding being obedient to the thing that I know I'm being told to do? Yes. And we need to be willing to sit and answer that question. And it sounds like you did that, recognizing the association you were making to women, your brother's story, and now avoiding the obedience. It's amazing how you have come mm -hmm. out of a place of loss, a place of being potentially stuck by an experience, a tragedy, a loss. Can you share how you are navigating healing? You, mm -hmm. you shared a little bit about how your mother is working and impacting others through her healing. And we, you talked about that um, when we were off. So I'd love mm -hmm. for you to say it again. And then how are you navigating healing? So I'll start with my mom, Reverend Georgiana Harris. She actually, before my brother's passing, once he got into addiction and our family realized what it was and the impact that it can have, she decided that she didn't want another family to endure that level of pain. So we already had the House of Restoration, uh, the Harris Family Ministries, which is an evangelistic ministry. But then we came up with the House of Restoration, which is a program where mothers who are in addiction can then come with up to two of their children, ages 10 and under, to get biblical counseling, life skills, and really walk through that healing journey from a faith-based perspective so that they can be set free, break off that generational curse so that the children that are coming up will never know that addiction. And wow. the way that I really got through was literally the grace of God. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, because it was at Christmas time. Mm. Like I said, well, our family had just moved 568 miles away and um, I was always there for my brother. And ironically, a year before he overdosed on Christmas Eve and wow. I was called. So I went to the emergency room and I called my middle brother. We both were there and we talked to him and he was doing great. He was doing really good. So when I moved with my family, my thought was, is Stephen going to be okay? 
is Stephen going to be okay? But then there was also a sense of relief because I'm like, well, if I'm far away, I don't have to worry anymore. Mm. That's honest. That's just honest. Yeah, it it was, it was. And and I felt guilty a little bit for it, but then I said, you know what? No. And it was funny because he still called me asking where my brothers were. And I'm like, I'm 500 miles away, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, (laughs) so fast forward then, uh, December 18th of 2019, I'm calling and we're all texting each other because I was planning everything around Steve. And I'm like, you know what? We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Everything I knew Steven liked, I was doing it. I got up and I made 48 breakfast burritos so that my family wouldn't have to get up waiting for me to get up for breakfast. I had Christmas Eve dinner done and in the freezer. I had the collard greens. I had prime rib roast all set and seasoned, ready to go for the first time in maybe six years. All my Christmas gifts were wrapped and they were Mm -hmm. in a box hidden and tucked away. I even had the sweet potatoes half cooked and seasoned ready for Christmas dinner because I was set. You hear me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Only thing was uh, Stephen's Christmas gift was on the way. Wow. So December 20th, I call because I'm like, I needed to get some gift cards and I'm texting. Mm-hmm. And then I, I call Stephen. He didn't answer. So I left a voicemail message saying, Hey, can you bake the cookies? That was the only thing since he was a trained chef. I was like, you know, he's going to do something in this kitchen. Mm-hmm. I'm cooking And then I remember stepping aside and I just prayed, Father God, in the name of Jesus, give Stephen total and complete healing today. Wow. I go on. I start going about my day. I go to downtown to pick up my jewelry. My phone rings while I'm in the middle of the street. And all I hear is Stephen's dead. And I look and I'm like, that was the weirdest thing. So I'm shaking. I checked my phone. There was no call log. And I was like, that was weird. I better call because that was weird. I hope that wasn't like a premonition. And before I could call, my brother's calling me up and they're like, he's gone. And I'm like, what? I totally just lost it. Mm. A stranger woman I didn't even know. She comes to my rescue because I I literally couldn't breathe. I was just in shock. And then Mm -hmm. when she touched me, it was just like that touch gave me a release. And I just yelled and yelled and my body went numb and she offered to drive me home but I said I'm okay as long as I can breathe so I I literally just went into autopilot did what I had to do her daughter was there and she witnessed it I I don't know how other than the grace of God I got home Mm -hmm. my husband was right there waiting for me he was right there but when I look at that I say even in that God was with us because one it, it was just weird that like in the middle of me prepping and stuff, I step aside and pray that prayer. Mm-hmm. And so at first I felt guilty because I was like, man, my prayer wasn't specific. I, when I said, give him total and complete freedom today, I forgot to say here on earth. <laughs> and so God answered my prayer and now I killed my brother. This is, you know, we do these wow. things to ourselves. How we tell, how we create these stories in mm-hmm. our mind that then becomes tied to guilt and shame and regret, powerful. Mm-hmm. So, Valerie, can you tell me how are you different now? That was such a powerful moment that sounded very breaking. And I know that there were so many steps that have led you to this mm-hmm. moment. 
but how would you describe how you're different now? Dr. B, I am not the Valerie Jackson I was then. Mm. Valerie Jackson from the time I was born up until December 20th at about uh, 6.30 no longer exists. Wow. This Valerie Jackson looks at things in a whole different way. I, I had to, if I was going to survive, if I was going to still be here for the children that are like literally my children, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I had to, I look at things much more intentionally now. I do daily reflection like never before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I even think I offended somebody now, I'm going back, I'm calling them up because I don't ever want anyone to leave this earth that I may have offended and then feel that they weren't loved or for me to have the guilt of wondering, you know, did I leave something undone? Mm. I it am sounds like your, it, it just sounds like your whole perspective has shifted. Let me tell you, my dad, when my brother passed away, some words that my dad used to say kept playing back. I hated it. When I was a kid, I was like, Pop, you are morbid. You're sick. Mm. How can you say this? But those words that I despised as a child were key to helping me get through. Definitely my husband being my rock. But my dad used to say, even when we were children, all men are born but to die. The purpose of every man after life is death and to give God glory along the way. And so I had to hold on to that to survive the passing of my brother, which was a long journey. But I said, you know, he did what he was created to do. He lived his life and in spite of the addiction, I'm going to say that again, in spite of the addiction, okay? Stephen loved the Lord. He knew that whenever he left, where he was going, because he made it clear to us, and he always told us, you know, I'm not afraid to die. I don't want to die, but I'm not afraid to die because I know where I will end up. And that's another thing I'm just going to break there. People need to understand that just because a person has an addiction or because their behavior might not match up with what you think it should be, Let's be careful not to judge because no one knows a man's heart, but him or her and the Lord. And we have to be careful not to judge a person by what we see on the outside, because God doesn't look at that. He looks at the heart and that man loved God. He tried his best, but again, there were chemical forces at play. And some of it was his will to a degree too, because we have a will. But again, when you look at that path that he took, that man did anything for anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And wow. he sacrificed that man. He drove 48 miles at one point when I was pregnant. No, I wasn't pregnant. I'd had my son. I had a concussion and nobody else was there. He drove 48 miles to come take his sister to the doctor that was down the street. Mm. And he made sure that he got me to that appointment and back home. So when you think about that, Let's be careful about how we treat people and what we think about somebody else. Instead, we need to look at the blank in our own eye. But back to what you said, I'm sorry, I got off track, but I know that that someone needed to hear that. Someone needed to hear that and how judgment, um, just as you shared, um, man looks at face, face to face, but God Mm -hmm. looks at the heart. And if we became more intentional about seeing people 
looking for their heart, asking God, show me their heart so that we can actually meet them where they are, get out of our own self, our own story that we're telling ourselves about that person and begin to really see them. And it will allow us to be more intentional about how we approach, how we help and the decisions we make on how we leave and impact in relationships. Mm -hmm. You hear it said, and it sounds cliche, but I can tell you it is so true. If we can move from judging people and looking at the outward behavior and, you know, again, the cliche of not what's wrong with you, but what has happened to you. Mm -hmm. And if we can just really accept that people are doing the best that they can with what they have. So instead of us condemning people, if we begin to come along and perhaps share a little bit of ourselves and help somebody along that journey, because again, I'm going to say, none of us are perfect for as good as I think I am. Every day I wake up, I'm like, Ooh, I could have got that better. So when we, when we look at that, it'll make the world a much better place. Mm -hmm. And when negative things happen, finding that, silver lining for my life mantra is for every cloud, there's a rainbow. So even though my brother's dying was the cloud and the circumstances, the timing, everybody is like, it was right around Christmas. How could you in the time I couldn't get to it, but even in the midst of that, I said, but you know what though? I thought I was making Christmas dinner and Christmas Eve dinner. Let me tell you, that Christmas dinner we did have, it was just without him and it was at my mom's instead of at my house. The Christmas Eve dinner was the repast dinner. Wow. Only guy. And when I, when we got that call, all I had to do was pick up a box and put it in the truck. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about, you know, my kids not having Christmas. Everything was already right there. God wow. knew what we were going to be faced with. Mm-hmm. And that was part of my mindset shift. I had to look at the beauty in even that. Mm, That's powerful. I think about how being able to be intentional with looking for what is it, where is God's hand even in this? And sometimes that requires us to quiet our own pain in order to be able to look and find him because he's even in that just thinking about all of the steps that would have had to happen because you shared you you had never done that before like having (laughs) uh, everything already wrapped and having all of this food already prepared it was wrapped (laughs) right right and and you would have not been in any condition or state to take care of that and but God right and and being able to recognize his hand is in this, even if it is a painful moment, will we open our eyes and look for him anyway? We're getting ready to take a break and you have shared so much of your heartfelt story. And I want you to think about what advice would you share with someone who is connecting with your story. They may have addiction in their family. They may be wrestling with someone who's currently addicted. 
or they are navigating fear or other types of loss. There's a lot of loss mm-hmm. that we have experienced in this season. As we prepare to take a break and when we come back, I would love for you to share any advice that you would have for those who are being impacted by your story. So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life is now in session. Are you present? We don't get a dress rehearsal in life. So why not grab every moment you can to grow? Join me every first Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific for our live webinars. We're creating a growth plan and unpacking the 15 invaluable laws of growth by John Maxwell. Instead of waiting for growth to just happen by accident, let's get intentional about creating a growth plan for you. Let's do it together. Log in to www.livingstrongllc.com and grab your spot for first Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 Pacific. And let's grow together. It's your time. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. While Valerie has been sharing her heart as well as her wisdom with us as she has created a flip in how she talks to herself, how she looks at others, and her ability to find God's hand and heart even in tragedy and hard situations. So just before our break, I asked that she think about what advice would she share with someone who this story is impacting? What what advice would you share? The first thing I would say is to not stray from your foundation and hold firm to your foundation. For me, that foundation was faith. And so I saturated myself with scriptures that reminded me of, you know, he comforts the broken hearted. He will never leave you nor forsake mm-hmm. you. He is a sun and a shield and really creating an atmospheric shift. There's a song that says, sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Mm-hmm. One day I laid on the couch and the, that line just came to me. So I began to create a shift literally in my atmosphere. I put on every praise song that I knew that was uplifting, that has been encouraging for much less than this before. And I would be very intentional about what I allowed to enter into my ears, what I allowed my eyes to see. I started reading my scripture. And I also would encourage people don't suffer and struggle alone. As I've said, probably a few times now, my husband is my rock Mm. and he loved my brother dearly as well. But for me, I got to a place where 
I knew that I had to get up from where I was and it became about me. And I need people to understand that when you are in a dark place, it's not selfish for you to focus on you because you can't be any good to anyone else when you're stuck. You can only be good when you are up. So that's actually an act of sacrifice and love for others when you begin to focus on yourself in those dark times. So I went to my husband and I said, okay, you're going to be part of my healing journey. I didn't ask him. I told him and I said, I need to tell my story. I need to talk about Stephen every day. If I talk about him 20 times a day, I just need you to listen because I have to get it out. And it's amazing how that helped me. And I also started using Facebook. Um, when COVID hit, I was still hurting. Like I was just coming out because after he passed, when I went home, I stayed for an extra month because one, I just needed to be in that atmosphere. He overdosed in the house. He didn't die there, but his pulse was significantly decreasing there. And um, I couldn't go into the bedroom mm -hmm. because I was like, mm -mm, it's just too much darkness here. And my mom kept saying, you know, it was peaceful because he died on his knees. She said she knows that he was praying because he was singing really loud that day. And my daughter was hurting because she was home and she blamed herself because she thought, you know, if I would have stayed home, this wouldn't happen. Mm. So even in the midst of my pain, I put my feelings aside for a moment to help somebody else who was struggling with the same issue that I was, because whether we know it or not, when you have a need. My need was for healing. If you align yourself with someone else who has that same need, it can help both of you together. And so that's mm -hmm. what I had to do. I did that for my daughter and for my mom. And the other thing is when I talk about, you know, not suffering alone, a girlfriend of mine invited me to come out, out to town with her, Robin. I'm just going to call her out and thank her because she's been such a blessing to me. <laughs> and, Amen. um, she insisted, you know, you need to come up here with me. So I wasn't going to, but everybody's like, you need to go. So I went and spent the day with her in New York and we just, you know, had a good time. And for that time, my mind was clear. We talked about my brother, of course, because anything I did, I had to talk about him at that point. Yes. So that was one thing to talk about it. Don't mm -hmm. carry it in shame and don't try to hide it. When you talk about it, when you put it out there, it gives a release. It's just like, if yeah. you have a pitcher of water, you pour that out it starts to release and that picture is emptying. So as I poured it out, a little bit of pain would go away and a little bit of pain because what would happen is that painful memory was then being replaced with fond memories of my brother and the good reminder of who he is and how awesome he was and the legacy that he, I now carry inside of me. Wow. Um, the other thing I would say is to really just take, take time for yourself taking time for yourself, going back to your foundation, remembering the lessons of the past and um, just not being afraid to express that reaching out for help because help is there. But if you choose to suffer in silence or if you isolate yourself, it's no good. And that, that is another key actually do when you're hurting. If you isolate yourself, you know, mm -hmm. the Bible says the idle mind is the devil's workshop. Oh boy, when you're isolated, you think of all the worst things. And, you know, I, I could have stayed stuck and just focused on, you know, if I would have been there, if I would have never moved, because believe me, those thoughts came, if I would have never moved, I would have been there because just like the last time he overdosed, I was there at the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, another time he was out, I chased him down the street 
And then I called my brother and we got him and we brought him back home. Um, if I was there, you know, I would have been able to just go and stand there, even though we'd have been arguing, I would have been there. But then I had to realize you, you can't be everything to everybody. Mm-hmm. And no, I'm not so great that I can do certain things. And that's another thing we take on too much for ourselves. We're not that great. <laughs> if something is destined to happen, it's going to happen. And for as much as I love my brother and believe me, if I had the power, he would still be here, but I am not so great that I can stop anything from happening. And yes. We deceive ourselves into thinking we have that power. Tell the truth, trying to control. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So we only have about six more minutes left of the show. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to talk about what role has Voices of New Beginnings played in your journey, in your healing? Um, How is that? Where does the name come from? I know it's a lot in six minutes, but try, (laughs) try and help us understand because you're you are so intentional about uh walking through what we call post-traumatic growth mm-hmm. that growth can happen after trauma has occurred so tell okay. us a little bit about voices of new beginnings well initially the voice of new beginnings came out of another adversity in my life i was in a place a position much like your story where i well, this is it. God was calling me out. and I'll never forget. I drove to this place one day and just as clear as I'm talking, I heard the Lord say, baby girl, it's time to go. Mm. And I brushed it off. I was like, Mm-mm, I'm going to be doing this, 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 but I didn't listen. And then when I left, I was hurt and almost broken. Mm-hmm. But I had decided, you know what? I can't stay stuck here. Mm. And I ended up having to go back into a, an environment similar to that. And I was doing a trauma training and all these people were coming to me saying, you know, where's your business card? What's your business name? Because that was really powerful. And I'm like, oh. so I prayed and I was like, Lord, give me answer. He said, voice of new beginnings. Because for me, me going back, doing that trauma training, that was for me a new beginning. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm not the voice of beginnings, but you are. Mm. So I got that. And then when COVID hit, this was after, you know, my brother died because that happened. I moved, my brother died. And then soon as I'm starting to come out, COVID hit. And then Mm. I lost some relatives, which today would be my aunt Brene's birthday. Happy birthday to her in heaven because she passed away as a result of COVID. Mm. But I became very intentional then. And I'm like, okay, what can I do? So I used the voice of new beginnings as a platform to encourage people to get through that time. And I was sharing, you know, self-care techniques and strategies, calming strategies to help people to overcome the feelings that they were experiencing as a result of COVID and then the other things. And then I also shifted it to make it much more intentional than to decide, you know what, I'm going to really do something with this. And it became the coaching and consulting for people who are experiencing traumatic experiences in life may not be clinical because I'm not a counselor, but I can help you from feeling stuck and connect you with someone who can help you at a deeper level if it's beyond what I'm capable of doing. This is an amazing opportunity for individuals who are potentially in a place of loss. A, they have uh, this entire experience of COVID and the pandemic and the the amount of loss and constant shift and struggle 
has us in a place where so many individuals are feeling exhausted and stuck. But how you've set the example of if I continue to look for a possibility, it's there. I need to move past whether or not I feel like looking to looking anyway and watch what you begin to see, what continues to be revealed. So we have about one minute left and I want you to share how people can find you. Sure. I am on Facebook, The Voice of New Beginnings. I also have a Facebook community, Triumphant Transitions. I wonder where that came from, community for the voice <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> I am also on LinkedIn and I have a website, thevoiceofnewbeginnings.com. Wow. Valerie, thank you so much for being transparent and honest mm-hmm. and open and sharing your heart and your brother's story. It has been impactful and I know there is someone who needed to hear it. Thank you for joining our conversation. And as you encounter uh, trauma, tragedy, recognize that it's not the period to your story, that as Valerie has shared, you can tap into your voice and walk into new beginnings. We thank you and we'll see you and talk with you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.